Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose of Wicked. What up? Hey, guys. How's it going? Just kidding. That was weird because they can't actually answer us. Uh, But actually, you guys could answer us because you know what you guys could do? You could follow us on social media. We've got a couple of ways for you to do that. You could um, jump on Instagram, get on the gram, and you can follow us at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked or just type in weekly dose of wicked. We're the only one that pops up. Sweet. Yep, that's true. Uh, Another way you can get in touch with us, you can join our Patreon. We've got this thing called Patreon. It's fantastic. Amazing little thing. So what you can do is you hop on there. You join it. It's a membership. We've got three tiers. We've got $5, um, the Moderately Wicked. So you get a couple of little things with that. You get a shout out on an upcoming episode. Uh, You get a bonus episode once a month once we hit 50 Patreons. Uh, You can also join the $7 a month level, which is going to be called um, our Awesomely Wicked. The Awesomely Wicked get same as the Moderately. They get a bonus episode once a month. Um, a one-time shout-out on an upcoming episode. They also get the chance to vote for upcoming cases. And then we also have the Extraordinarily Wicked. So for $10 a month, you get all that. You also get a handwritten thank you card with our autographs, which are going to be worth millions one day. Just kidding. Probably not, but a girl can dream. Fancy. You also get a sticker. And you also get access to our Weekly Dose of Wicked Discord, which is where you can like legit chat with us. So that's probably the best way to get in touch with us. Um, and tell us how you are. But yeah, you can ask us questions and we'll answer the questions on upcoming episodes. So yeah, you guys should jump on over to Patreon, support us. Uh, We can't make this podcast happen without your support. How else can they support us, Ashley? Take it away. How else can they support us? Podcast ratings and reviews on Apple. Come on. You could also rate or review our podcast on Apple. Only if you like it, though. Yeah, only if you like it. Only if you like it. If you don't like us, then just move on and don't make us sad. Just stop listening. Move on. Just stop <laughs> Stop listening if you don't like us. It's fine. We don't expect everyone to like us. We don't live in a fantasy world. So if you think we're annoying or ugly or just stupid and just it's okay we still like you just go i don't know what we look like they only hear our voices i mean whatever they might think we sound ugly based off of our voices i don't know okay i guess that works whatever the reasoning is if you don't like us it's okay just move on but if you do like us if you like what you've heard then jump on over to apple apple podcast and write us a review give us a rating we'd really appreciate it um so today 
we're doing our sixth episode. Is it already six? I think so, isn't it? We've got episode yeah. one. Yeah, we've got Heidi one and two. We've got Picton number three. Number four it was kind of a mini, but I mean, I don't know if we still want to count that. I still count it. it still happened. Dumb criminals. Then we've got we've got number five, a marriage of And now this is episode number six. Episode six is gonna be on Bethany Deaton. Yeah, I wasn't actually done though. I was actually chatting about something. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. I was no, just gonna no, say, chat. um chat away. I was just gonna say we're on episode six, but as we're recording this, we've only released the first three episodes. So I just wanted to thank everyone that's listened and let them let everyone know. Um, with our three episodes, we've had 210 downloads, which is amazing. I mean, just a, a week ago, we were talking about how we had we were so excited about the 30 downloads we had. <laughs> and now we have I, 210. Last I knew it was only 200, so I'm pretty pumped with the 210. No, I just pulled it up right now. As of right now, as of this moment in time, we're looking at 210 downloads in the last 30 days. Today was our best download day. We had 70 downloads today alone. 69, but I mean, might as well be 70. I'm pretty impressed. I also want to give a special shout out to whoever's listening to us in Finland, because I think you're so cool. That's so cool. Two people. Two people in Finland are listening to us. Two people in Finland are listening to us. I don't know who you are, but I appreciate it. I don't know. There's a lot of cool places on here. Um, I think it's cool someone in Alaska is listening to us. I don't know how you found us, but... I don't know how any of these people found us, but I'm super pumped about it. I mean, we got lots... I mean, I know we already listed... We listed this off in episode four, but I mean... I don't know what we've left off. I mean, obviously, we know some some places because they're local to us. But, like, some cool place. Dallas, Texas. Like, who's listening to us in Dallas, Texas? Davisburg, Michigan. Uh, Cantonsville, Maryland. Fredericksburg, Virginia. Minneapolis, Minnesota. There was someone in Canada, too. Yeah, that's what I was going through. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Like, I'm trying to find places that are not local to us. To I mean, just tell us how you found us. Burlington, Ontario. Um, New York City. Las Vegas, Nevada. I don't know who's there. Mm, New Milford, Connecticut. Hell's Corner, Wisconsin. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Usama. I probably didn't say that right, but that's Finland. So Helsinki. That's cool. Helsinki. That's in Finland. Yeah. That's what I said. Helsinki. Um, but I don't know how to say Usama. Usima. Yeah, I don't know either. Usima. I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, we got Crystal Lake, Illinois. We've got somebody in Haynes, Alaska. We've got San Francisco, California. Some places I've never even heard of. Hamilton, Ontario. Royce City, Texas. I don't know. There's a bunch of a bunch of cool places. So anyway. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. And if you want to tell us how you found us, feel free to, uh, you know, like, let us know. You can do any of those things I said. Or leave us a review. Yeah, or leave us a review. Yeah, do that. Or you can also email us and let us know how you found us. Uh, our email is weeklydoseofwicked at gmail.com. You could also follow us on Instagram. We've already we said that. We post all of our content. Well, I know, but we didn't talk about Instagram. I know. I was actually thinking we should talk about it more. Go ahead. We should have. So that's how I was going to talk about it now. So if you follow us on Instagram. We post pictures to go along with every episode, along with some updates. So, if you're in one of those cool places that we've never heard of, if you want to comment on there, tell us what you think, how you found us. Yeah, we could do like a roll call once we get more than the 15 followers we have (laughs) on Instagram. I think we're up to 16 now. Are we? Oh, yeah, I think we are. Yeah, we just got a new follower. We did, we got two today, so... Sweet, sweet. But yeah, uh, we always have updates on there for every episode, though. Um, I'm just going to pat myself on the back since you didn't. I stay up 
every Wednesday until after midnight so that I can post the Instagram post as soon as the episode is released at midnight on Wednesday, Eastern time. Sierra carries the whole podcast on her back. I do. I do nothing. I know. It's true. I just show up on Wednesdays. You just show up and look pretty. And they can't even see me. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Tell me about Bethany. What's her last name? Deaton. Keaton? Deaton with a D. Oh, D-N. D-E-A-T-O-N. Yeah. All right. So this week's episode is going to be on Bethany Deaton. Tell me about her. Tell me about Bethany. So <laughs> tell you all about Bethany. Hold on to your seat. So on October 30th, 2012, the sheriff's deputies responded to a report of a dead body, bringing them to Longview Lake Picnic Hotel. I'm going to start over. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> On October 30th, 2012, sheriff's deputies responded to a report of a dead body bringing them to Longview Lake Picnic Shelter in Kansas City, Missouri. You got twisted up. You got twisted up on picnic. (laughs) Shut up. I thought it was going to be like a hard word. I thought it was going to be like the Piscot National Forest or something. I don't know. Picnic. Don't flip me off on the camera. (laughs) Don't be rude to me. I thought it was going to be a harder word than picnic shelter. All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Listen, it's 9.45 at night, and I normally am already in bed by now, okay? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Do I need to start all the way over? No, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. I'm going to leave that in there making fun of you, so go ahead. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Picnic shelter in Kansas City, Missouri. There they found an abandoned van in the parking lot with a dead body in the backseat. The body was a young woman curled up in the third row with a white plastic trash bag over her head and tied under her chin. Inside the minivan, the police found sunglasses in a cup holder, a pillow, several CDs, an ID on the floorboard, which belonged to a woman named Bethany, who was an RN at Menorah Medical Center, a Walmart bag with a cell phone inside, a notebook full of random lists and unfinished scattered notes, wedding thank you cards that seemed to be recently worked on, and two bottles of 200-count Tylenol PM, one of which was empty and one was unopened. They also found a handwritten note that was presumed to be a suicide note, which read, my name is Bethany Deaton. I chose this evil thing. I did it because I wouldn't be a real person, and what is the point of living, if it is too late for that? I wish I had chosen differently a long time ago. I knew it all and refused to listen. Maybe Jesus will still save me. At first, police believed this to be just as it seemed, a suicide. But with more investigation, they believed it to be much more. Dun, dun, dun. It's a pretty weird suicide now, so I don't... Okay. Yeah, super weird. So, that's the beginning... Or, not the beginning. It's the middle of the case. So back to the beginning. Bethany Ann Lideline was born on October 15, 1985 in San Antonio, Texas, to Eric and Carol Lideline. She was one of five children, and they were raised in a small suburb of Dallas in a very religious household and were homeschooled. Bethany was known to be a very gifted writer and was given a scholarship to Southwestern University in Austin, Texas. There, Bethany met a group of like-minded young Christians. This small group of four started to get together once a week or so as a prayer group. As time went on, one of the members, Tyler Deaton, began to get the role of the leader of the group. Tyler was from Robstown. What? Nothing. Go ahead. Okay. He said Tyler Deaton, which is going to be her husband because her name is going to be Deaton. Right. Currently, her name is Bethany Ladline. Right. But then, like, you were also... Never mind. It's fine. Just go ahead. I was also what? Well, earlier you were having me help you with that synonym, and you were reading me that sentence about yeah. Tyler, yeah. which will be her husband, so. Yeah. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I lost my place. Tyler had, oh, sorry. A, 
Tyler was from Robstown, Texas, which is a suburb of Corpus Christi. He had a personality that drew people in. He was tall, handsome, and charismatic. Many of his friends described him as having a magical aura that drew others to him. One even said he had a mysterious power to control others in a way that were unexplainable. This friend also said, In the years I was with him, things were constantly happening that I had to shrug away as being the work of the Holy Spirit. Tyler would raise his voice and say Jesus, and the neighbor's music would immediately stop. He would tell birds to fly away, and they would fly away. He would place curses on appliances so they wouldn't work. And Tyler embraced this belief. He had powers and believed that it meant he was special and closer to God than others. Do we believe this? I don't know, but that's what this friend said. That sounds a little crazy to me. But okay. <laughs> so you expect me to believe that he put curses on appliances. First of all, why would you want an appliance not to work? Because it was her appliance. Ever. On Bethany's appliances? No, just a friend. Why would he put a curse on a friend's appliances? I don't know if that I've ever been to my friend's house and been like, I, I wish your <laughs> stove would quit working. Oh, no, he's a weird dude. I don't know that I believe any of that, but okay. Well, okay. He did. He's not freaking Cinderella. And he believes. He's he not talking special. to animals, not Snow White. <laughs> well, it didn't say he talked to animals. Oh, it did. He told birds to fly away. Yes, it, just kidding. It, yes, it said he told the birds to fly away. Like, I told you, you'll have to excuse me. I'm tired. It's 9.50 at night. Past my bedtime. So he was a strong Christian that shared beliefs that were important to Bethany, he seemed like the perfect guy to her. However, Tyler was struggling with an internal conflict. He was gay and was struggling to come to terms with that. He was raised in a devout Christian family in the South, which made it very difficult to him to admit to himself that he was gay. In a later interview, he said, To me, being gay meant you were like this messed up, even like villainous person. You couldn't love God. It was, it was, so I didn't identify as gay. Bethany quickly became infatuated with Tyler. She knew about his struggles with his sexuality, but believed that these were demons that they could overcome together. She believed God had arranged for these two to be together, but initially Tyler didn't share these same feelings, and they just remained friends. Tyler began to search for his purpose and began partaking in mission trips, one of which was to Pakistan, where he claims he had supernatural experiences of God speaking directly to him. He believed his purpose was to form a worship group, when he returned to Southwestern, he transformed his small prayer group into a larger worship group that he was now the leader of. This group began to spend more and more time together, and their lives began to be centered around Tyler's worship meetings. Tyler, okay, <laughs> yeah, he was the most important person so far in their lives in his worship meetings. What? Like what? Yeah, these just like random people. Yeah, it was just. It started off just like four people who were all Christians. They met each other. They started praying together. And then somehow Tyler became the leader of these people and started well, a worship. I'm group. sure that they wanted to listen to him because he could shut appliances off. <laughs> well, he cursed appliances. Or maybe he just shut them off. <laughs> I mean, maybe. You never know. Maybe we'll whatever. hit up Tyler and ask him. No. I'm just going to go ahead and guess here that he's probably a bad guy. So I don't really think I want to. I played the fifth. So he found himself at a convention hosted by the International House of Prayer, also known as IHOP, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, that was funny. I don't know. I mean, International House of Pancakes. Why would you name your institution IHOP? It just doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. So IHOP was a religious... Which came, which came around... I mean, IHOP's been around longer, right? Like the Pancake House. Yeah. Um, the International House of Prayer was founded in 1999. Okay. IHOP was definitely there because we were going to IHOP for breakfast back then. Definitely. 
I don't know when they started, but... I don't know. Let's Google it. Well, I was actually looking up the International House of Prayer. So, where are they at? You said... Missouri. So, this case kind of, like, starts off, like, everywhere. So, like, they are going to school in um, Texas, but then the International House of Prayer is in Missouri. But Bethany... Oh, she's also from Texas. Just kidding. So, I was thinking Kansas, but it's Kansas City, Missouri. I was thinking three states, but it's only two so far. Okay, so that's what... Okay, so it's Missouri. Yeah. Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. Okay. So when you Google International House of Prayer, it actually comes up as I-H-O-P-K-C. So it's like I-H-O-P-K-C. So it's like I International House of Prayer, Kansas City. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That's why I was confused if there was like... I don't know. I thought it was like a... I thought it was like a national thing, but it's not. It's just in Kansas City. Yeah, I think it's the only one. Maybe they changed their name to I-H-O-P-K-C because... People are getting them confused and wanting to get pancakes there. Possibly. Um, the pancake IHOP was founded in 1958. So yes, I see that first. in Los Angeles, California. Yeah. So this IHOP okay. prayer group was founded in 1999 in Missouri by Mike Brickle. I think is no Bickle, B I C K L E Bickle. Is that how you say that? Okay. I'm not sure you should have looked that up before you started this. <laughs> I'm sure you could have found a documentary or something that pronounced his name. Well, I did. did. You know that IHOP has, did you know that IHOP has New York cheesecake pancakes? I did. They're delicious. I would like some of those, please. They're delicious. Maybe you can get me some on Friday. Bring them to me. <laughs> Do you pass an IHOP on your drive? I have no idea. Okay. All right. Go I ahead. I cannot tell you. So anyways. I got off the, I got off the IHOP menu. <laughs> yeah, back to this IHOP. So this IHOP promoted 24-7 access to prayer and worship. IHOP was committed to mission work, and they believe praying will release the fullness of God's power to allow them to win the lost, heal the sick, feed the poor, make disciples, and impact every sphere of society, family, education, government, economy, arts, media, religion, etc. I got that off their website. The facility okay. has a 24-hour um, prayer room that is welcome to anyone, member or not, to partake in. They have free prayer and corporate prayer, where different members... Corporate prayer? Prayer. Corporate prayer. Should I re-say that line? No, it's fine. Um, I think people find us lovable because we make fun of each other, so I think it's fine. <laughs> um, corporate prayer was when different members would take turns praying to the whole room through a microphone, which had specific predetermined focuses that they had to pray on. They also had classes that based their teachings at the belief that the end times were near and the Lord will return during our lifetime, and we need to get ready for it. They believe this tribulation will be triggered by retaining members to frequent the IHOP centers. So Wayne Besson, who is a blogger and a founder of Truth Wins Out, he has given the job to himself to monitor extremist organizations. So he found IHOP and went to their prayer room at midnight one night. So he wrote an article about this experience and warned others. He said in his article, there was a gigantic 24-7 prayer room filled mostly with teenagers, many of whom appeared to be of high school or college age. A band played hypnotic Christian music while the audience of 100 or so youth engaged in a diverse set of worship rituals. Some were seated as if they were in a traditional church setting. Others danced and skipped like they were in some sort of fundy rave. One youth twirled a purple fan as if he were at a gay circuit party. About a quarter of the participants walked in a trance-like state through the aisles, muttering to themselves, a practice that I had not seen before. 
Some of these youths walk nonstop for over an hour with no signs of stopping to rest. Beware Grandview and Kansas City. You have an aggressive, militant, angry, fundy cult growing under your nose. It's time to wake up before you become the next Colorado Springs. Don't be caught flat-footed wondering, how did this happen? Consider this your first warning. Okay, so you said that he appointed himself this position. <laughs> so, was he paid for this? I mean... He was, like, a blogger. So, I guess he would, like, the same, like, he just gets paid by, like, like views us. and reading and whatever. He also has, like, a... He's, like, a founder of a group, Truth Wins Out, which really doesn't have anything to do with the monitoring extremist organizations, but... Gotcha. So he's just like us. He gets he gets paid paid per listener or viewer. So yeah, hopefully he's making more money than our zero dollars. It's a reader, not a listener, because it's a blog. Well, that's what I said. I said viewers. I said listeners. I mean viewers. Right. But okay. Yeah. So he gave them a warning. So IHOP says that they're not a cult, but according to this man, he disagrees. So Tyler was initiated into IHOP and became obsessed with the teachings and the philosophy. <laughs> what are you laughing at? IHOP? It just makes no, it makes me laugh every time you say Tyler because it makes me think you're talking about your husband. Oh. Yeah, no. I thought about about halfway through. I was like, maybe I should just say like Deaton. But then I had already written Tyler so many times. So I was like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Continue so, yes, my husband's Tyler. also name is Tyler, but he's not in a cult that I know of. So yeah, I was going to say, that you know of? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I don't know. He might be in a cult. He might be. In a you car cult. <laughs> yeah, I could see it. Or a video game cult. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is in that lame um, car club with his friends. Car club that they made themselves. No. Can he hear me? No, he can't hear me. Okay, I was waiting for him to come out and like... And he doesn't you know. listen to our podcast, so... Neither does my husband. He won't hear it then, either. <laughs> they're just good supporters. Because they're rude. <laughs> Uh, so back to it. Tyler shared this with his group, all of the teachings and the philosophies and how excited he was for them to learn more with him. Within no time, Tyler converted everyone in his group to hardcore IHoppers, as they called themselves. <laughs> I think that's a fun name, IHoppers. It became an integral part of who they were as a group, and Tyler became even more of a leader than he was before. Tyler began to exert his influence in ways that were unjustifiable. He saw many members of the group were beginning to couple off, so he would meddle in their relationships, making comments about how they weren't right, and he would repair them into a relationship, and these relationships were sure to fail. He just didn't really like, I guess, anyone straying off of a relationship. Him. Well, because their focus were no longer on him, they were on their relationship. Like, I guess he thought they were, like, distracted. So he didn't. So he would meddle, break them up, and then put them in a new relationship? Yeah, that was going to fail. So then this way it kind of like tainted their ideas of relationships. So they didn't have them anymore. Okay, psychopath. He was a psycho. Um, he tried to diminish relationships by imposing punishments for off-putting behavior, such as flirting by shunning or treating members with silent treatments. He also began to have inappropriate physical contact with men of the group. He would often play wrestle and cuddle with his friends in their dorms. Many of the members wouldn't say no because Tyler was their leader and they worshipped him. And he justified these advances by saying it was a sign of camaraderie and friendship that brought them closer to each other and the Lord. What a weirdo. Yeah. So, Bethany... Okay, the issue I have with this... No, pause. Okay. The issue I have with this is... Um, so, like, this homeboy wrote this article about it. And then you've got, like, Tyler out here, you know, being weird. He gives a really bad name to Christians. Yes. 
like it really annoys me when these kinds of things i mean i knew when you were doing the case like you told me that like it was a religious case so i was prepared but it just really annoys me because yeah, like not, all, not christians all christians are, are crazy, crazy. Right. And it just annoys me whenever you have like, this is why people think Christians are crazy, though, is because of psychopaths like right. this. And then everyone just assumes all Christians are crazy because you, that's all you hear about is the crazy Christians. You don't hear about like the the Christians who just mind their own freaking business and don't force people to cuddle in beds with them. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's kind of like the way with everyone, though. Like, that's how stereotypes come. I know. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. You can continue. Just annoys me. I get annoyed whenever you listen to, like, a crazy psycho Christian. Oh, Bethany brought in a friend. His name was Micah Moore, and she met him in English class. Um, He was known around campus as kind of weird, free-loving musician who would walk through campus playing his guitar. Like most people, he really broke out of his shell in college and started to experiment trying to find out who he was. This led him to trying acid, which did not go well for him. Uh, Micah began to dive into a downward spiral after his acid trip, where he began to doubt himself, his goals, who he was, and his purpose in life. To help him find his way, Bethany brought him to their group to convert him to an eyehopper. So Micah immediately took to the group and became an active member who followed, followed Tyler wholeheartedly. Within the next year, he became infatuated with eyehop, just like Tyler. He began to see demons against what are you doing i needed to stand up and stretch i was kind of tired so i was doing some jumping jacks <laughs> i muted myself if you would have just kept going i couldn't because you were in the background doing jumping jacks we're never gonna get through this case i'm sorry go ahead continue i don't know where i was i'm sorry within the next year he became infatuated with ihop just like tyler he began to see demons against them and would break down and speak in tongues claiming that god and the demons spoke through him in December of that year, Micah claimed to have a vision which predicted tragedy at Southwestern. Soon after, a fellow student, Rob Atkinson, was hit by a car and died. Rob had often butted heads with the worship group, so Tyler saw this as a sign to those who stood against the group were being eliminated. The group celebrated this defeat and disregarded the tragic loss of their community. This event is what solidified them as true believers of their mission in their own group and IHOP. Micah's parents began to worry about his mental health and transferred him to the University of Texas. They sent him to a therapist who confirmed that he was having a psychotic break related to the fear of demonic possession. At this point, Bethany had been in love with Tyler and actively pursued a relationship with him for three years. Despite her best efforts, he directly told her, it'll never happen. Okay, cool. He was kind of a jerk, yeah. He was a jerk, but like also, why on earth does she even want to be in a relationship with him? He sounds like a crazy lunatic. Mm -hmm. She thought he was perfect. He thinks he has magical powers because he can shut appliances <laughs> off. I don't know. But she saw something in him and she liked it. Okay. Um, because of her failed seeking out of Tyler, she began to sink into depression. She still continued to hold out hope for their relationship in the future. Friends and family both noted that this change in behavior as the turning point of Bethany. Bethany graduated Southwestern University magna cum laude with a bachelor's of arts in English and a minor in Spanish. Go, Bethany. I know. Go, Bethany. I also looked her up. She's freaking gorgeous. Yeah, she is really pretty. Her whole family is really pretty. I didn't see her whole family, but I saw pictures of her and she's gorgeous. Yeah. Well, like, she has, like, a bunch. So there's, like, five of them. She has a bunch of sisters and they all, and her mom, they all look just alike. Except her mom is blonde, but. Well, now I kind of want to look them all up. Do you have a picture for the Instagram? Uh, I haven't saved one yet, but I will. Okay, here it is. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, yeah, they are all freaking gorgeous. There's Okay, so it looks like there's four sisters and a brother. Mm -hmm, I think so. Well, yeah, I mean, they are all gorgeous, all of them. Yep, and her mom looks just like Bethany, but blonde hair. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. So even though Bethany was awesome and got her 
cool degree in English and Spanish. She decided not to use it, her degree, and she didn't become a writer like she had always planned. Instead, she moved to Grandview, Missouri with Tyler. Tyler convinced more than 20 members of his group to move with him to Missouri. There, IHOP had bought 125 acres to expand their organization with housing, which they moved into. I can't imagine liking someone enough to move for them. (laughs) No, me either. Especially like they weren't even together because he told her it'll never happen. Okay, but I don't even mean for Bethany. I can understand liking someone enough in a romantic way to move for them. I'm talking about these 20 random people. I they weren't together. Okay, but these 20 random people. Yeah. Is who I'm talking about. I can understand romantically, like Bethany being like, I love him. I'm infatuated with him. The only way I can get a chance with him is if I follow him to Missouri. Okay, but like these other 20 people, like, excuse me, what? What are you doing? Yeah. No, I don't get it. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> unpack your boxes. Where are you going? Well, they went to Missouri. <sighs> Okay, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of this. (laughs) So they had the houses for IHOP, and the houses were separated by genders. So they had, like, male houses and female houses. And they referred to these houses as the community. So (laughs) Bethany and Tyler became chaperones for the houses. (laughs) Okay. So because Bethany and Tyler uprooted their lives and moved to Missouri together, they spent a lot more time together. Oh, good. Late one night when they were in the prayer room... Tyler became overcome with love and affection for Bethany. Oh, did he? So he decided to finally give it a chance and start dating her. So one afternoon while they were on a walk, he asked her to go on a date with him. Bethany's prayers had finally been answered, and she was head over heels for Tyler. Um, Those that witnessed the relationship, though, said it was super odd. They noted that the couple never showed any displays of affections. They refused to share a kiss until they were engaged. And many people said that they thought their relationship looked staged. And they only spent time with each other on Tuesdays and Fridays. Which I think is super weird. Like, why? Why Tuesdays and Fridays? Very specific. I don't know. So over the coming years, Tyler's influence started to grow even more over the group. And in the community, many members under Tyler's orders started distancing themselves from their family members and friends. And some even cut off contact completely. There were about 25 members in the group now. And they were all under Tyler's will. Tyler believed now that his purpose was to focus full-time on preaching and recruiting. Because of the time dedication he needed, the members of the group had to support him financially. Which they did, because Tyler told them to. Yep. So a lot of them would, like, I mean, they all met, like, Southwestern. So, like, they all had college degrees, but a lot of them would take on, like, second, like, minimum wage jobs to... To pay for Tyler's way of life? Tyler the money he needed. Oh, yep. my God. What in the heck? Because it was his purpose. Okay. <laughs> While he was fulfilling this purpose, his teaching became very erratic and started being about full-on, like, prepper for end times. He began stockpiling goods and training others in the community for these apocalyptic end times that he believed were coming very soon. At this point, Micah Moore got back in contact with the group and ended up moving into one of the male houses in Missouri. His parents actually approved of this decision, thinking that the spiritual guidance of IOP would help him. So they weren't happy the first time he was with Tyler and his group. But now that he's with Tyler and a different group, they approve. I can't imagine any parent being pleased their child has joined a cult. Well, at this point, they don't know it's a cult. How do they not know it's a cult? He talked 20 people into moving across the country and into supporting him financially. (laughs) Well, I don't know if his parents know that. This is very Charles Manson. (laughs) I feel like any minute now he's going to be like... Come ye, my people, drink the Kool-Aid and die with me and just, like, kill them all. 
Yeah. Well, he's not quite that bad. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like <laughs> if I roll my eyes any harder, they're going to fall out of my head. So by 2010, Tyler had complete control over the community and they followed him blindly. He may, if he made a decision that affected the whole group, they just went along with it because it was for the good of the community. If anyone disagreed with Tyler, he would orchestrate a group-wide shunning of that member. And this happened to a man named Bose Harrington. H-E or H-A? H-A. Oh, okay. For those of you that don't know, Harrington is both mine and Ashley's maiden name. With an E. With an E. <laughs> uh, Bose had been in the group for years, and they shunned him for weeks, and his only communication was receiving notes under his door. And these notes were often only of the decisions that were going on. IHOP got wind of Tyler's power trip and told Tyler that he wa- it was not Christian-like and this mistreatment needed to stop. So they give him a little slap on the wrist, which didn't work. It only made things work worse for Bose. He continued the shunning and forced him, Bose, to now eat his meals off the floor like he was a dog. Tyler made him do this? Yes. Oh my god, what is Because he was mad that IHOP was mad at him. Well, yeah, because that's not... I'm- so, this, the guy that I mentioned at the beginning says that IHOP is a cult. I'm not 100% positive if IHOP is a cult. Sounds a little culty, but... I don't know that I think IHOP is a cult. I think that Tyler Deaton's group of people is clearly a cult. Yes. I don't know enough about IHOP to say if IHOP is a cult or not. I mean, for all we know, they could just be a cool group of people worshiping the Lord, doing what they're supposed to be doing. I think that Tyler here is taking things too far, and he has started a cult under the name of IHOP. Yes, which is precisely what he's doing. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, without a shadow of a doubt, this is a cult. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com But in 2011, Bethany continued being awesome, and she joined the nursing program at Menorah Medical Center. Of course she did, because she's a freaking badass. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to be swearing anymore. Dance, it's not ladylike. She's a bad mamma jamma. Okay, anyways, badass Bethany went to Menorah Medical Center to join their nursing program, which was just over the border in Kansas. Okay. But she was still close enough that she could commute from the community in Missouri. Her instructor there stated that she was an excellent nurse who was very spiritual and inspiring. Despite her outward appearance at school and work, she was still struggling with her depression. Her friend said that she was very jumpy and insecure at this time. In August of 2012, Bethany and Tyler got married with a ceremony that her friends and family described as weird, awful, uncomfortable, and difficult to watch. Bethany's mother described the ceremony as a messianic-type union. 
She said it was like an odd religious experience. They believe the ceremony was all Tyler's doing. Bethany's high school friend, I didn't write her name here, but I think her name was Taryn, um, stated that it felt like she had lost Bethany, and now that she was married to Tyler, she was completely gone. She said that Bethany looked at Tyler differently than just love. It was almost like a worship, which really scared her. However, Bethany's mother said that they trusted her, that she was a smart girl who had never made a bad decision. So even if they didn't see what Bethany saw in Tyler, they trusted that she was doing what made her happy and what was right for her. So even though her parents didn't like Tyler, they were supportive, which is great. After the wedding, Bethany and Tyler went to Costa Rica on a two-week honeymoon, which sounds fabulous. That does sound nice. Um, however, during this honeymoon, Bethany spent most of her time reading through the Twilight series instead of, you know. What was that? Your typical honeymoon. What you're normally doing on a honeymoon. Coitus? Yeah, coitus. Okay. <laughs> instead of having coitus, she was reading. I mean, I don't know if I can blame her. The Twilight series was good. You know, I mean. Well, that wasn't her doing. It was Tyler's doing. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I mean, there are many a nights where I choose to read instead of have coitus. You but not on your honeymoon. No, not on my honeymoon. On my honeymoon, I was a lady <laughs> in the streets, but a freak in the. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, Bethany was not able to be a freak in the bed because Tyler was unable to consummate their marriage and was still struggling with his sexuality. Oh, because he's gay. I forgot. Yes, because he's gay. But he's still trying to okay. pretend he's not. When they returned from their honeymoon, Bethany moved into the men's house. So Bethany moved into the men's house in the basement, which was Tyler's bedroom. However, due to Tyler's issues with intimacy, she spent most of her nights sleeping on the couch instead of in their bed. Which is ridiculous. I would kick him to the bed. But he was the leader, so she couldn't do that, I guess. So he was in the bed and she was sleeping where? On the couch. Yeah, that's some bull squash. Bethany would often go stay in her old bedroom in the women's house instead of the couch. And she used the excuse that she needed space from Tyler. Although she was happy with Tyler, Bethany knew that these struggles they were having were not going to get better. Bethany reached out to a counselor and her close friend, Taryn. I was correct. Her name is Taryn. About their marital issues. When she brought up any of these problems with Tyler, he would lash out and make the community shun her like he did to Bose. Within six weeks, Bethany began to succumb to her depression once again. Her husband said she got more and more depressed and upset. She started saying things like, my soul is ruined. I'm just going to go to hell now. I remember the first time she said this stuff. I was like, what are you talking about? In October, there were emails found between the members of the community discussing their concern for Bethany and her deteriorating mental status. She had threatened suicide to Tyler when she brought up their marital issues. She had a cup of windshield wiper fluid that she was threatening to drink. He managed to take this from her and contact the police. When the police arrived, they questioned Bethany about her suicidal thoughts, and she stated it would be easier to die than to change. Because of this, she was taken into a psychiatric hold at Truman Medical Center in Kansas City, and she was released two days later back to Tyler and the community. Bethany was struggling to return to her life in the community. She had severe depression, which was getting the best of her. She was unable to complete her daily chores, and another member of the community threatened to get her kicked out if she didn't start carrying her weight. This got back to Tyler, as everything did, and in his next sermon, he spoke of the choice between the community and personal selfishness. 
During their fights, Tyler would often accuse Bethany of being selfish, so she knew that this sermon was just a public shaming toward her. Bethany was mortified and <clears throat> listened while curled up in a ball in the back of the room. This was the breaking point for Bethany. The next day, she was found dead in her van. Um, okay, so first of all, how devastating for her. that Like, she's dealing with this depression, and instead of and helping her, like, they're shaming her and, like, getting mad at her that she's not pulling her own weight. Like, fuck them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, like, her own husband is, like, what did he say? What is? What are you even talking about? That's his response. Like, instead of when she says her soul is ruined and she wants to die and she's going to go to hell, he says, what are you talking about? Like, clearly she needs help, dude. Right. Right. And I mean, okay. And also, it's not even like this is like an old case where like help wasn't available, you know? I mean, there's a lot of cases that you listen to where like people are severely depressed. And it was like at a time when we shamed people for being depressed and where, you know, I mean, like that was a common thing where we made people feel lesser because they had depression and they were ashamed and didn't want to go get help. But like this is we're talking about like 2012, right? I think we're in like 2011, 2012 right now. Yeah. Okay. So like 2012, like at this point, like therapy's a common thing. She was doing therapy right but like the fact that they're shaming her for it right this is common why are we shaming her right (sighs) the only good thing he did was that when she was threatening to kill herself he called the police but then they just released her out of the mental or the psychiatric hold right back to him so she was suicidal yes so the note makes sense even though i don't know that i think she killed herself but yeah so she did threaten it that, that was the only time she had threatened, and she was going to drink windshield wiper fluid. Uh, why the hell Why the hell would you kill yourself that way? I don't know. Like, that sounds awful. Yeah. Well, maybe it was, like, the only thing she could get a hold of. But also, she was a nurse, so that's not true. She could have stolen some medicine from the hospital. Right. I don't know. I just hate that. I hate that for her. Yeah. It's really sad, especially since, like, she was such a kick-ass person. Right. Like, she was kicking ass and taking names. She got two degrees. Right. She got a scholarship. Yeah. So she got her degree in English with a minor in Spanish. So that's pretty awesome. And then she got a scholarship there. She was a kid. I mean, she was yes. awesome. She was awesome. Like she was the bee's knees. <laughs> the bee's knees. Is that better for your dad? Using less foul language. He told us it was unladylike. Cuss so much and we need to cut back. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really feel like we cussed that much, but. He was not a fan. Not a fan of the F-bombs. Anyways, back to Bethany. So, the next day after his sermon, that's when she was found dead in her van. And the police thought that it was a suicide due to the circumstances of the fan and the initial investigations. The case was quickly quickly ruled a suicide, so a full autopsy was not completed. One of the detectives, however, her name was Penny Cole, suspected that there was more than just suicide and possibly foul play, but there wasn't enough evidence to prove that, especially since there was a suicide note. Even though it was a weird suicide note, there was a suicide note. It was a weird suicide note, but even if this had been suicide, it's still his fault. I would still blame him. I would find some way to freaking arrest him. Well, you would think, but... Like... She's found dead the day after he publicly shames her in front of everybody. Well, like, even though they don't know it's about her, she does. 
Right, but like no one else knows. So only Bethany and it doesn't Tyler matter. Did. Yeah, but they can't arrest him on that if they don't know that he shamed her in public. Well, we know. Yes, I mean, we know now. So Detective Cole, um, she went and found Tyler to speak with him about Beth- Bethany's death. Because, you know, number one, you always go to the spouse. She said that when she spoke to Tyler, she did not see the reaction that she expected from a newlywed at all. And it kind of made the hair on the back of her neck stand up. That evening of Bethany's death, the community had a prayer service led by Micah Moore. He was described as seeming relieved and was laughing and looking as happy as he always did when he was leading worship and playing guitar. I don't know why we care if he was happy. I mean. Because he was the leader of the prayer service. I don't know what that has to do with the price rice in China. (laughs) You'll see. Anyways, so Tyler also spoke at the service, telling the group to stay upbeat and press into the Lord. This community is bigger than one person. Fuck this dude. <laughs> Who said that? Micah or Tyler? No, Tyler. Her husband. Tyler said her that husband? the community is bigger than one person. Fuck you. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Every time it cuss. So, like, the thing is, I feel like if that was Micah or another person in the group that said that, like, you know, they're trying to kind of be like, you know, oh, like, we're bigger than just one person. I understand this is a tragedy, but... Like, you know, come together. It's her husband. Like, that would make sense. But this is her husband. I just really think that that's a weird and very inappropriate thing to say as a husband. I agree. If my husband, if I die and my husband's like, oh, we're bigger than one person, I am haunting him. (laughs) Yes. Definitely haunting. If you die and your husband says that, if you die and your husband says that, I'm stabbing him in the (laughs) neck. Like, on the spot. Yeah. Like, Jacob's pocket knife out. Yeah. Yeah, I think it really just, like, goes to show, like, how, like, Tyler didn't actually love Bethany at all. Like, it was, like, a whole game to him. No! Oh, but he was overcome with love. Yeah. Overcome with love. Dude, screw him, man. <laughs> okay. Um, shortly after Bethany's death, four members of the community came forward and stated Tyler manipulated them to have sexual contact with him as a way to worship together as a religious experiment. Tyler was interviewed by 48 Hours, and he explained that these allegations were untrue. He said that he never manipulated anyone into having sex with him. In fact, he has never had sex before. He said, I mean, there were hands in places, and there was, I mean, being horizontal, like being on a bed at the same time. There was oral sex happening twice, but that was it. I just feel like that's a really, like, funny little statement from him. Hands in places and being horizontal. Okay, weirdo. So one of the men even stated that they had a long-term relationship with Tyler during his marriage to Bethany, which he denied. How was it long-term, though? I mean, they weren't married that long, right? No. So, but I think it meant, like, they had a long-term relationship, like, including also when they were married. Like, even when they were dating. Okay. He was having this relationship. Gotcha. So, Bethany's death brought on investigations from IHOP, where they kicked Tyler out of their group, and he was no longer allowed on church property, which meant he had to move out of the community that he had spent years developing. Good. Good, yes. IHOP finally gave him more than a slap on the wrist. I'm glad he got kicked out. Um, The members that were part of the community were told that they could continue to follow Tyler and leave, or that they could stay as members in IHOP. And surprisingly, a lot of them... Did not follow Tyler, so that's good. 
Well, that's good. Um, During Bethany's funeral, her parents received a call from the police informing them that they were going to investigate further and they needed Bethany's body, which meant that she could not be buried. This new investigation was brought on by a confession from Micah Moore. So that's the price of rice in China has to do with it. Hey, but I don't think that he, why would he kill her? He has no reason to kill her. Well, he confessed. Just, just listen to me, okay? Okay, but I mean, he clearly didn't do it. So Micah, so Micah walked into a police station accompanied by two IHOP members and notified the police that Bethany's death was not a suicide, but in fact, he had killed her because Tyler told him to. His confession confirmed what the investigators believe had happened. Bethany was murdered. Michael told the cops that he drugged her with antipsychotic medicine, Seroquel, then held a garbage bag over Bethany's head until she shook. This was somewhat consistent with what the police had found at the crime scene. The white plastic bag over Bethany's head had been inhaled into her mouth and her eyes were found open. Which would have been really unusual for someone if they truly had died from an overdose of sleeping medication, which is what they thought from her taking the Tylenol PM. Right. They assumed that she died from an overdose of sleeping medicine. But her eyes were open when they took the trash bag off. Mm-hmm. So, that was a little sketchy. Her cause of death was asphyxiation, which was consistent with being strangled or restricted, which... Most likely, she did not do herself. Bethany was also found with unfinished thank you notes from her recent wedding, which the police believed wouldn't have made sense if she was planning to commit suicide, why she would worry about doing her thank you notes. Right. But to play devil's advocate, I feel like, you know, Bethany was like in a really depressed place. And when people are really depressed or in like mental breakdowns, like they're not doing things that are logical. So, like, maybe she still felt like, oh, she needed to do these thank you notes, even though she was going to be gone. I don't really feel like that's something, like, to really harp on. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind—I feel like if she's depressed to a point where she wants to kill herself, I don't think she would be filling out thank you notes either. I mean, I don't feel like I would, but, like, I don't know, though, because everyone's depression is different. Right. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, you do unusual behavior and aren't yourself. So, I mean, I don't know. That's a whole nother conversation. I mean, that could go on for hours. Yeah, so let's move on. Okay. Some who read the suicide note said that it didn't sound like her, and one of her friends even said that someone who wrote so beautiful couldn't have written that inarticulate. Right, because it, like, made no sense. Yeah, not at all. It was a super weird suicide note. Mm Mm-hmm. But if we're going off of your theory that, you know, she's not herself, then. Right. Which is what the police kind of thought. This is my thoughts on the depression thing. I feel like when people are depressed, they, I don't feel like they're not themselves. I feel like they do their best that they can to mimic their normal lives so that people don't realize that they're depressed. I mean, I think like she was up until, I mean, like the point where she had supposedly committed the suicide. I mean, up until that point, a lot of people didn't know she was depressed. I mean, other than, like, the community that she was with all the time. But, like, her family and her friends, like, they didn't know. That's what I'm saying. I just feel like if she was, like, she's truly depressed, she would have been doing everything she could to, like, hide that. Right. I don't know. But the police kind of thought, like, the same thing that 
I was that she wasn't she was in a bad place and she wasn't being herself. So like it kind of made sense that the note wasn't her normal writing. Um, her drug of choice was also questioned since Bethany used that Tylenol PM, which is over the counter medication, who had worked just two days earlier. So if she was planning the suicide, it would have made more sense for her to get like a stronger drug that would have killed her faster because she could have just taken it from the yeah. hospital. So it kind of glitched out over the internet there a second ago. So you said it didn't make sense that it was like she used Tylenol PM. Right, because that's like an over-the-counter. Okay. Where she was a nurse. I mean, that she could have just taken it. I also don't feel like it makes sense to kill yourself by overdosing on Tylenol. No. Well, it was Tylenol PM. So it was, I mean, it had like the sleeping effects. I guess, but like, okay. But, like, if she was going to overdose on Tylenol, why would she tie a trash bag over her head? Make sure it worked, I guess. I don't know. I don't feel like people... I don't... Name one person who's killed themselves by taking a bottle of Tylenol and putting a trash bag over their head. <laughs> I don't think I could. I don't think anyone's done... I mean, I don't... I don't know. I have never heard a story of someone doing that, but... No, neither have I. So, during Micah's confession, he also gave the police his motive. Micah stated that for months before her death, male members of the community had been drugging Bethany with the Seroquel and sexually assaulting her, which Tyler had known about. When Bethany's mental health had started to deteriorate, they were worried that she was going to report this to her therapist, so Tyler instructed Micah to kill her before she could out them. Well, not Tyler, because he never had sex, but the rest of them. Okay, so Micah's claiming he killed her because Tyler told him to. Right. So was Tyler going to be charged? No. So the police charged Micah with first-degree murder for of Bethany, and Tyler was never charged with any involvement. How in the hell does that work? He told him to do it. Because there was no evidence that he told him to do it, other than Micah saying that he did. Okay. But we're not done yet. Okay. I, mean, I know we're not done yet, because Micah didn't do it. I mean... <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself. It just doesn't make sense that Micah would do it. No. But currently he has confessed. So with his confession, he kind of helped everything make sense for the police. And they were really confident in their case. So they were trying to gather evidence for Tyler's involvement and corroborate Micah's confession. However, his confession wasn't really lining up with the crime scene and the forensic evidence at all. So Micah stated that he killed her at 10 a.m. However, there was video footage of him at the community at 10 a.m. There was also footage at 10 a.m. of Bethany buying the Tylenol PM that they found in her van. Okay. Bethany's debit card was used after 10 a.m., which, you know, he could have used that, but there was videos of them both at different places at 10 a.m., so he couldn't have killed her then. He stated that she had been drugged with Seroquel and then sexually assaulted multiple times before her death. Seroquel was not found in her system, and there was no evidence of sexual, sexual assault. So I wondered that, too, if they did a toxology report. So, from what I found, there was no Seroquel in her system. However, nothing ever mentions if there was Tylenol in her system or not. Right. So I don't know if they just, like, if a toxology doesn't test for that. I feel like it would. I feel like it would test for everything. But I'm not sure. Okay. Um... So the exam that they did actually showed that there was no sexual assault and that Bethany was still a virgin. So Micah stated that the sexual assault, they filmed it on iPads. 
and the footage was at the community, but the police tried to find these iPads and they never found them or any video footage. There was really not much evidence at all at the scene. They found no fingerprints, no DNA, other than his confession and their gut feeling that she was murdered, there wasn't any evidence to show that this really was a homicide. Micah's attorney, Melanie Morgan, held a press conference where she stated that her client, Micah Moore, did not commit the murder and that he was recanting his confession. She said that he was driven to the police station by representatives of his church community where Micah told a fictional account that was bizarre, nonsensical, and most importantly, not true. The confession was a result of an exorcism performed by IHOP. The day Micah confessed he hadn't slept in days and was in a manic state. When he woke up hours later in custody after his confession, he was unaware that he had even confessed. Prosecutors were going to continue to pursue the charges against Micah anyways, and he entered a not guilty plea. Two years after his initial confession and two weeks prior to the trial, the prosecutor dropped the charges against Micah. They stated that they just didn't have enough evidence to ensure a guilty verdict, and therefore they didn't want to try him at this time. The prosecutor stated, My office concluded that we could not ethically continue to pursue the case given the current evidence against Micah Moore. The duty of the prosecutor is to seek justice, not merely to convict. Bethany's dad believes that his daughter was severely depressed and did not receive the proper care she needed, which ultimately led to her suicide. On the other hand, Bethany's mom and the police believe that there were foul play involved and Bethany's case still remains open. The police remain hopeful that they will gather more evidence and an arrest will occur in the future. Detective Cole said, I think her life was taken by someone and I can say I have an opinion and I can't say I have an opinion because I have to base what I do on evidence and facts. But what I have seen in my investigation leaves me to believe that Bethany did not kill herself. I think Tyler had great influence over everyone in his community. I think he had an immense amount of influence in every aspect of their life. Someone knows more than they need to speak. And they need to speak up and speak up for Bethany because she would have done the same for them. Micah remains with his not guilty status and blames his false confession on IHOP. He says that they are not prophets. They are manipulators. He also states that he regrets ever choosing to follow Tyler. Tyler still denies having any involvement in her actual death, but he did say that in some ways he feels that he was a part of her death and he feels partially responsible. He blames his sexuality issues for all of the incidents leading up to Bethany's suicide. And in regards to Michael's, Micah's involvement, Tyler believes that his confession was one in a series of psychotic episodes caused by the controlling nature of IHOP. Tyler says IHOP sold Micah to the police to save their own reputation, and he says Micah was just in a bad place and emotionally and had mental health issues that IHOP took advantage of. There has been no new evidence in the case, and so the death of Bethany Lydline Deaton remains open and unsolved. Do you have anything to say? Speechless. <laughs> Speechless. Yes, which doesn't happen often. <laughs> I told you it was crazy. I... What? Like, what a freaking jerk. He feels partially responsible yeah. for her. Okay, even if she killed herself, he's responsible. Yes, I, I mean... And so I watched um a 48 Hours episode, uh -huh. and he actually was, like, very cooperative and interviewed uh -huh. for this episode, and he was a smug asshole. I mean... During the whole I'm thing. Sure he was like, he was, like, smiling and laughing, and it was disgusting. And he even said he was like... Bethany deserved a better husband than uh, me. Yeah, because I was she, gay. Okay, it has nothing. Well, at least now you admit it. Okay, but it has nothing to do with him being gay. 
Like none of this has anything. None of this has anything to do with him being right. Gay. But that's what he blames the whole thing on is his sexuality. Not a thing to do with him being gay. No, I agree. It doesn't. But he. That's what he blames everything on. It did say in the forty-eight hours that he's currently in therapy, though. So that's good. I mean, I guess does therapy help you after you've assisted your wife in either killing herself or killing her on your own? Probably not, but maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like maybe. She could have killed herself, you know, but if she did, I still feel like, you know, Tyler is uh, responsible. But also, it just seems kind of sketchy. Okay, she could have killed herself, but it's weird. It's weird. Like, why would you kill yourself that way? But I don't understand why you blame everything on him being gay. Like, who gives a rat's ass that you're gay? He seems to think everybody does. I don't know. He's a narcissistic asshole. Nobody cares. Like, nobody cares that you're gay. Go for it, dude. All right. the power to you. Go horizontal with some dudes. We don't care. But don't make your wife kill herself. Regardless of how you feel about homosexuality, um, I think it's safe to say that, like, none of us care enough for him to kill his wife. No. Like, it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with that at all. Like, who cares? Or here's a crazy idea. If you know you're gay, don't marry someone. Right. don't Don't marry a woman. Right, right. Like, don't marry. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't know why we ever think we need to kill our spouse. I don't know, but lots of people do. I mean, I guess not saying he did kill it. I know. I know they do. But, like, you don't have to. Public service announcement. If you don't want to be with your spouse, you don't have to kill them. You can just leave them. Right. Divorce is a thing. Yep. I don't know. Okay. Well, thanks for telling me another horrible story. Anytime. I appreciate it. I appreciate the unresolved... uh, story here i was expecting a nice little package yeah no i don't have that for you today i'm sorry yeah i can tell yeah actually when i started um when i started researching it i did think it was resolved and then i realized it was not but then i was too far in so right i had already watched 48 hours so i mean i was in at that point you know how how boring 48 hours is for me so Mm -hmm. i watched it twice good job Okay, well, that was fun. Let's do it again next week. See you Wednesday. So, uh, this week, I think we're going to watch The Girl in the Picture and do a bonus episode for Patreon on that, right? Yeah. So, if you care to hear us react to The Girl in the Picture, then join Patreon and you can listen to it there. It might be a good idea for you to watch the show on Netflix first. Probably would be a good idea. Uh, I also have another bonus episode I want to do in Patreon, probably released next week. I'm not telling you what it's about, though. A surprise. It's going to be a mini, like a mini episode. It's not going to be, it's not going to be very long. A mini surprise. A little tiny weekly dose of Wicked. I mean, it'll probably still be like 30 minutes long, but it's just something that I found that I want to do a bonus episode on. And I don't think there's enough information to do a full episode. So we're going to do a bonus episode for the Patreon. So if you want access to those, join the Patreon. Again, $5, $7, or 10 But for $5, it gives you access to the episodes. So, so join. Join on it. All right. Well, that was depressing, so. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard and want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked where you can join one of our three tiers at the five dollar level we've got the moderately wicked 
for $7 a month. We've got the awesomely wicked. And for all of those high rollers, big ballers out there, we got the $10 level, the extraordinarily wicked. As a member of our Patreon, you are entitled to bonus episodes. Uh, you also get a one-time shout-out on our podcast, as well as some other cool little extra things going on there. So come on over. Join our fan club. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked, or you can literally just search weekly dose of wicked and we'll pop up because we're the only ones. For a direct feed of our podcast, please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com. Great news. You can now listen to us pretty much wherever you like to listen to podcasts. That's right, folks. We are big time. You can now hear your weekly dose of Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Plus Alexa, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podcast Index, Overcast, Castro, Castbox, and Podfriend. The only place we can't seem to get ourselves on is Pandora. So we'll let you know when that happens. In the meantime, make sure to come back next Wednesday for your weekly, weekly dose, dose of, of Wicked. Wicked. But I'm... Um,